1: Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing.
3: Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear.
2: Hey, everybody. We're back for another week of Tis the Podcast, the podcast dedicated to keeping the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I am Julia. I'm Tom.
3: Good evening. I'm Anthony.
2: Hey, guys. What's going on?
3: You know, it's two. We're back to regular recording night. It's the first Mm -hmm. day of February, so Mm -hmm. we're that much closer to Christmas. (laughs) Uh,
0: It's going to feel pretty Christmassy here in the Heartland this weekend or this week. Yeah, it will. We are getting blizzard-like conditions.
2: So excited.
3: How how many inches is blizzard-like in the Heartland, guys?
2: Six plus inches. Oh. you start it with your little nonsense New York attitude towards snow. No
3: nonsense. I was about to say that probably... Never mind. I'm not going to say that. But but that's going to make a... Never mind. That's awesome, though. I'm happy for y'all.
2: Jerry D understands our, our elation in this moment and anybody yeah, south of Oklahoma gets it. It's quite the meteorological week. I don't know. It, well, earthquakes aren't meteorological, but they're a natural phenomena.
3: I'm glad um, you guys you were unaffected by that earthquake and it rocked, my, it rocked my world and, and i didn't hope feel that a y'all, dang thing and i hope that y'all stay safe during your six inch blizzard
2: i mean um, I, let's be I, honest I, I'm, be, I'm,
3: I'm being like i'm bringing a I'm, i am very excited for you guys because you guys don't get it a lot so that's awesome i'm very happy for you
2: guys. it's gonna be a real touch and go over the next few days like all the milk's gone people bought every bit of bread that's in stores People are Let me tell you something, that'll, that for that'll happen
3: no matter how, like, even when we're expected to get, like, an inch of snow, which is, like, nothing, obviously,
2: like... Y'all do the milk yeah, and bread like, up there, too?
3: Everywhere does the milk and bread.
2: Okay. Everywhere.
3: And it's so fun. And the gas. Everyone, and like, gas. lines up for the gas. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, I had to go to the, the gas station before our last snowstorm, which we got, like, a foot, foot and a half. And, Ugh. like... And, like, the only reason I stopped at the gas station, because I'm not a panic person. I know within two days, it's, like, melting away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's no big deal. Uh, I, uh, but I needed windshield fluid because I was out. That's the only thing I, would do, I do need because it gets dirty, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so I stopped, and, like, the guy like I, who sold it to me was like, You think the freaking world's ending? All these people are like, stopping. <laughs> it, like, it's a bit of snow. I'm like, I don't know. But that's when you
0: tell him, dude, you should be happy.
3: All these people are giving you money. Oh man, the li- I will I I've said this before, I think, on the podcast a few years ago. The liquor store guy loves when there's a snow day because <laughs> they amount of people stocking up on booze. And he's like he he's this jolly little Indian guy with the like dick accent still. He's like the cutest little man. And like <laughs> um I don't I don't drink much anymore just because health reasons. Like I want you to try to lose weight, whatever. Um, but you know, last year, two years ago, whenever I last stopped in, but right before a snowstorm, there's a line. So I go up to the counter with my wine or whatever, and he, I'm like, "Hey, how's it going?" He's like, "It's a good day, my friend, making all the money. Good so for you. Happy.
2: I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. That's pretty great. Yeah. So we're pretty excited here in Oklahoma.
3: That's good. I'm glad. I'm excited for you. So we thought we might ha- we might have had to have put Dexter down this week.
2: Oh, what happened? Why?
3: He just couldn't breathe.
2: Oh my goodness.
3: Did they figure out what was going on? Yes, it turns out he has asthma. So
2: <gasps> baby boy. Oh. What do you do? So What's he has? What's he, he allergic gets an to? An inhaler. He gets it's an inhaler. inhaler. <laughs> Is it, does and it have the little guard you have to put over his little mouth?
3: And then you puff <laughs> so, it? No. Oh. <laughs> you, you puff it. <laughs> Basically, the vet told us there's no point in trying to like get it right over the cat's face because it'll just agitate him more. Yeah. So he said, when you see him breathing heavily, you literally just stick it within his face when he's about to take a breath and spray him. <laughs> he'll he'll sp- breathe it in.
2: It. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. Right, it's been
3: helping. So this happened this happened like literally Monday. So the few times we've had to do it, like it helps him. But it's so funny because they send the prescription to a regular pharmacy for that. Normally they'll make the pet medicine like at the place, but I guess for the inhaler it goes to a regular pharmacy. So Sarah had taken him to the vet, so I went to the pharmacy to pick it up. And I thought it'd be under her name. And they're like, No, there's nothing for Sarah Houston. Is it for was Dexter? like I was like, "Is there a Dexter?" They're like, "Yes, there's a Dexter Houston in there." Oh my goodness! I was like, oh, oh. I, I, I was like <laughs> "Oh well, that's that's him. I'll pick I'll pick up for Dexter Houston." They're like, D- "What's his date of birth?" And I was like, "What date did they give?" Him? <laughs> I, I don't,
2: like, what's his date like- of birth? <laughs> Is it actually his legitimate date of birth?
3: I, I think we gave it, like, so we adopted him in August. So I think when we first took him to the vet, we said he was born. We just like, picked a day in July, so a month before, because oh we got gotten five weeks. But, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny. So, yeah. Is it is it adult? I guess so it's adult. It's just human medicine that you give yeah, to a sure. cat. Is it a, like albuterol <laughs> sulfate, something like that?
3: I think it is, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, welcome welcome they, to my they, world.
3: <laughs> they also gave us pills for when it's really bad and it's supposed to increase his oh. appetite too.
2: Steroids. But you
3: try you try giving a cat a pill. Like a dog. Dogs are strong, right? Like you can rip open their jaws and like shove it in. Cats have the tiny little mouth. Like I, I can't I can't. So luckily I haven't had to have given it to him yet.
2: Are they little but, bit little teeny tiny pills? Yeah. Is it dexamethasone? I think so. Oh, my gosh. Look at this. <laughs> look at this asthma knowledge that we're sharing between us, our child and cat. So, Nerds. So wow, now
3: what? Uh, he said the vet is hoping it's only like a winter, fall type allergy and spring and summer. Oh He'll be better. But mm-hmm. we have to get distilled water for an air purifier and humidifier. I'm like, this cat, this cat's going to like <laughs> send back so much money. But you know Fancy. what? <laughs> And like because he has FIV, he was born with it. What's like FIV? that compromise, feline immune HIV for cats.
2: Oh, I didn't know that.
3: Yeah, but like it compromises immune system. So the it's like this is not as aggressive as I'd like to be, but his immune system can. So yeah, Aww. So we're hoping spring and summer he gets better. Like he won't deal with it like in the nicer months. But we have to keep Larry separated from him because larry stresses him out oh larry causes the asthma
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> i mean man. i don't want
3: to pin blame on larry larry just wants to be his friend but oh i mean i mean the other night like was it recording whatever when i went into the bedroom <laughs> it was late Sarah was already asleep and dexter was like in her arms i didn't hear larry behind me Larry bolts past me and jumps on top of Sarah. And like Dexter's <laughs> half asleep in her arm, so he doesn't have his quick reflexes. So Larry actually catches him, which I think shocked both of them. Oh my god! <laughs> and, and, and Sarah is like, huh, oh, what? what's going on? Like so she's asleep. So like the dog the cat and dog are like, you know, like and uh she, of course she gets all scr- scratched up, and I'm thinking to myself. Hmm. I don't think people know we have pets,
2: otherwise they're not looking. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've had quite. So it sounds like quite a
0: Anthony week. is making another alibi of sorts.
3: Uh, I was about to say, like I think we have pets, otherwise I'd have to get some takeout. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: my gosh! Oh, good heavens!
3: Uh by the way. I was about to, I was about to say yes. Milltown Mel died today.
2: I saw that the day before. He's
3: The Day right? before Groundhog's
2: <sighs> I had to explain who that was to my colleagues. I'm like Um The way I explained it was it's Pucksawny Phil. But not.
3: Just it's just, just the New Jersey one. version.
2: Yeah. Jersey I hope version.
3: when Pucksawny Phil comes out of his holes tomorrow to uh Give us a weather report. He also is carrying some indictments for some former administration officials. <laughs> oh my
2: gosh. <laughs> it's wishful thinking, I guess, right?
3: Mm-hmm. I'm drinking. I have another geeky tiki, tiki.
2: I was just about to ask you is that a ghost of something, something? No,
3: no it's a golden girl. It's Sophia Petrillo. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Look at her little purse.
2: <laughs> That's amazing
3: she's so cute i love it uh there was pop culture news today though y'all they released four character posters to the batman and they look awesome they released the riddler batman catwoman and the penguin very nice and he's releasing the theme for the riddler like the musical theme for him on friday because he released the batman theme a few weeks
2: ago very nice we
3: saw pictures of billy this week we did we saw pictures of billy wrapping good. up on hocus pocus 2. really good yeah that officially stopped sh- finished shooting and the cast and crew got a big old sweatshirt with a logo for gifts with notes that said thanks for helping us bring the Sanders sanderson sisters back to life which is very cute i
2: love that i'm excited
3: yeah. halloween y'all I am very excited, but in the back of my head, I just see that Home Alone kid, home sweet Home Alone kid laughing at me.
2: You know, it's got Bette Midler in it, at an absolute minimum. It's got to be good. You know,
0: like, Billy looks amazing. I think he looks better than he did in the first movie. But you know what was really not able to pull off good-looking ghosts and people from beyond the grave? What? The 1970 version of Scrooge.
2: And that's what we're covering tonight, also known as the Albert Finney version, for those of you who've watched one, two, ten versions of A Christmas Carol.
3: Also known as the first colorized version of A Christmas Carol ever, and the first musical version of A Christmas Carol ever, which put a pin in that, because this will be our third musical version we've covered.
2: I guess we're doing them out of order.
3: (laughs) And I have thoughts compared to the other (laughs)
2: too, covered. <laughs> uh, okay so we are covering scrooge which is just a christmas carol retelling um like anthony said it is a musical retelling so while we are not going to break down the plot we will hit on what makes this different from the other christmas carols we have covered preferences which we inevitably do somebody's going to end up mentioning the muppets probably me um but what we can do is cover our cast before we get thoughts.
3: It's a pretty stacked
2: cast and talented
3: cast considering the quality of this film, which shocked me because I was excited going into this.
2: Um, OK, well, maybe we cover that first then, because I'm genuinely curious. Let's do histories with this version before we get into cast and credits. Um, Anthony. Had you never seen this one before?
3: I've never, I've never seen this one. I've heard of it. Um, I was looking forward to covering this one on the show because, again, I knew Albert Finney and Alec Guinness were in this as Scrooge and Marley, and they're obviously two titans of old school British cinema. Mm-hmm. And um, well, I know Albert Finney most from, and I'll say it now you know, even though we're getting to the cast in a minute, is Annie as Daddy Warbucks, because I love that movie. And when you look at Daddy Warbucks pre to Annie breaking his heart, he is essentially Scrooge. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this guy is going to make a great Scrooge. Um, Didn't work out that way for me. (laughs) Did not work out that way for me, though, which is a shame, because, again, he essentially played Scrooge in Annie, just with an American accent. And I will say it was weird seeing him with hair. But, yeah, so first time seeing it, probably my last time seeing it. Um, but yeah, that's my history. Tom. First and last.
2: First and last. Um, we have a consensus on here. Um, it is also my first time seeing it. Definitely my last time seeing it. Um, except there was a song in here that was extraordinarily familiar to me, and I don't understand why because i really don't think i've ever seen this before so we'll get to that when we talk about all the songs i
3: i will say before we get into cast and the actual i'm not even gonna say story comparisons whatever you want to call it um i won't say it's all bad there were a few positives i like in terms of uh the looks of certain characters
1: mm-hmm.
2: okay All right. Um, okay. So then let's hit, uh, casting credit. This version of a Christmas Carol was directed by Ronald Neem, which might be mispronounced. I'm not sure. A British filmmaker known for, I don't know, known for a few things. Um, the guy's got a pretty long career dating back to 1933 known for such things like golden salamander man with a million tunes of glory. Um, most the one I'm the po- most familiar with, yeah, the Poseidon Adventure.
3: Yep, that's the one I'm most familiar with too.
2: Yep. So he's definitely done some stuff, including. I mean, he movie. did
3: Oliver Twist, right? He re- wrote or produced it.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, original writing credits, of course, go to Charles Dickens for the story. But let's get—I don't think we've ever covered him. Before. <laughs> it's Wait, a new this name. isn't an original. New and fresh. Serious um,
3: question, y'all, yeah. uh, just before we move on from the writer, uh, just out of the curiosity, do you, either of you know how many version, what version of A Christmas Carol this is that we've covered, like what number? We've no. got to be like around 15 no. now, right? Seriously, like definitely double digits at this point, I would say.
2: I think we're upwards of 10 plus, yeah. That seems right.
1: Hmm.
0: I can buy that.
2: Okay, so... Playing, playing Ebenezer Scrooge in this version is Albert Finney, which is, I don't know, kind of a big deal. Um, He's got some major chops. We, I would imagine most people modern, like modern movies speaking. He's probably most well known for the Bourne movies, potentially. Aaron Brockovich, most definitely. Um, Big Fish. He had a big role in the movie Big Fish. Old speaking, though, because the guys I mean, he's been acting forever and a day. He goes back to the mid-50s. You would have seen him um, in some Shakespeare productions, like A Midsummer Night's Dream.
3: Annie. Annie. He was. For all the adaptations of Annie, he's the Daddy Warbucks everyone thinks of when they think of Annie. Mm. There have been a million film adaptations, but just like Carol Burnett's the one you think of with Miss Hannigan, he's the Daddy Warbucks people think of. And everybody Um, tries to emulate. And everyone tries to emulate.
2: uh, Speaking of playing big characters that people should be familiar with, he played Hercule Poirot, Poirot, which is the hardest thing in the world for me to say, in Murder on the Orient Express in 74. And he passed away in 2019,
3: sadly. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was so recently. Yep. He was eighty. You have a
2: favorite. I mean, I know your favorite, I'm assuming, is... Um, Daddy Warbucks, Anthony.
3: Yes, because I've said before a million times, I'm not a fan of the Bourne movies.
2: Yeah. Do you have a favorite Albert Finney, Tom?
0: The Bourne movies and Daddy Warbucks equally. Nice. I'll take
2: it. Um, I quite liked him in Big Fish and Aaron Brockovich myself.
3: Good choices. I mean, this guy's a good actor.
2: Yes, he's exceptional. He's great um playing marley the ghost of marley is alex guinness this guy i just don't think i'd ever heard of him before just kidding it's (laughs) obi-wan kenobi um which is absolutely his most famous role right i mean right iconic okay just making sure i'm not missing something glaring but i mean he's also done a ton of other stuff as well so he was in the tv min- mini series Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy which until this moment i did not realize that movie was based on a mini series how cool is that
3: um i do have it i don't know if this was a joke or not or hyperbole but mike westfall is very researched so i'm not going to like fact check him here but he commented uh after he played this, he had a proclivity for playing ghosts, Out type cat, got typecast as a ghost for most of his career after this. Which is true, even with Obi-Wan, because Obi-Wan dies pretty early on in that series and is a ghost the rest of the time. Oh, that's not a very funny. good ghost. <sighs> we'll get into it, but all I will say is, again, you have Albert Finney and Alec Guinness as two of the most... Iconic characters in literature and film history, and how do you waste them like this?
2: <laughs> uh pre ghost days, you would have seen Alex Guinness and Dr. Jivago, Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence
3: um, of Arabia, pre- Bridge on the
2: River Kwai, to Paris with Love, Oliver Twist. Great expectations. Like, whoa. Good stuff there. Interesting choice is Jacob Marley's ghost. All right, let's move on. So our favorite
3: is obviously not Obi-Wan, right?
2: Obi-Wan's my favorite. Come on. (laughs) This role is not my favorite, Alex Guinness. I can tell you that. Um, Not at all. Okay, our ghost of Christmas past um, was also an interesting choice. Um, Was played by Edith Evans. Who passed away in 76 so not too long after this one i guess she was pretty old in this role now that i say that out loud um but you would have seen her in the importance of being earnest the 52 version she's done some bbc stuff as well tv movie time remembered prudence and the pill that sounds delightful from 1968 That's the most 1968 title of a movie I've ever heard.
3: It doesn't sound like an Anthony movie.
2: (laughs) Her face is very recognizable, but I couldn't tell you why.
3: I think Uh, she's just
2: got that. Oh, well, she was was in the nun story. Maybe that's it with Audrey Hepburn.
3: I'll tell you a weird design for me for the ghost of Christmas past.
2: Interesting choice.
0: I have so many comments on ghosts. I'll <laughs> oh, wait till we get into this. I have ghosts. I have problems.
2: Okay. Let's go to our next ghost then. The ghost of Christmas present. Come in. And be <laughs> uh, This was Kenneth Moore playing the ghost of Christmas present. Who, looking at his IMDb page. You never would have known it because this man is under gallons and gallons of hair <laughs> as this role. Um, His career dates back to 1935. So he was in a whole bunch of stuff that I'm not super familiar with, but he has got a lot of Shakespeare in his past. Henry IV, Macbeth. Um, So a stage actor for sure. I'm gleaning, which I could see it. Also in A Night to Remember, The 39 Steps, Man in the Moon, The Longest Day from 62.
3: I will say this guy was the highlight, one of the highlights of the movie for me. Well, all of th- all of the
0: the remakes that we see of this movie draw so heavily on the artwork from the original that it's hard to f- miss on the Ghost of Christmas Present, right? Right, because he has a such that uh, everything backstory. is just big. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. so they always cast people who are. Big, both in, in stature, appearance, but also their personalities are big. Mm-hmm. And the, in this,
3: their I'm, wine glasses. I'm going I'm to mute myself.
2: That's what she said. Um, and because we're talking about ghosts, Patty Stone um, was in, was the Ghost of Christmas future, Ghost of Christmas yet to come. Um, not so much an actor, um, a lot more of a dancer this particular cast member is so don't know that you would have seen them in anything but obviously there's not a ton of acting to be done for that particular ghost role um other like secondary characters we've got um michael medwin played scrooge's nephew harry so we know that character right the one that continually wishes scrooge a merry christmas Um, Why do they
3: call him Harry in this movie? I don't know. He's
2: Fred. He is Fred, but I don't know why he's Harry.
3: This actor was 10 years older than Albert Finney. That's funny. Oh my gosh. For real? For real.
2: Hmm. Um, And this actor just passed away in 2020 at the ripe old age of 96. We also have um, David Collings was Bob Cratchit. Uh, Most people may recognize this actor from Doctor Who. He had a run on Doctor Who from 75 to 83, which seems like a pretty solid run. Um, A whole lot of British TV. Through the Dragon's Eye, Omnibus, which was a documentary, Press Gang, Ruth Rendell Mysteries. He also passed away in 2020.
3: The hits keep on coming.
2: They really do. The Fezziwigs in this movie are played by Lawrence Naismith and Suzanne Neave.
3: They were delightful. Just They were saying. delightful.
2: They had a good dancing singing number, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then we have our oh, oh, I'm sorry. Susan Neve was Bella slash Isabella Fezziwig. So the love interest, Mrs. Fezziwig was um Kate Walsh. So back to Bella. We did have a love interest shown at length, like a whole song, and a bit devoted to showing the backstory, um, which some versions choose to really not focus on. Um, She was fine. She sang a song I could have done without, which is a running thing in my own life, apparently. Um, And then I'm going to mention one other...
3: What's funny funny is that you were one of the only people... In our Facebook group, Julia, that was when not they announced excited that, about that about the Muppets Extended Edition coming yeah. out with Bella's song intact again. I
2: was. I don't know why everybody likes that song. It's terrible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the only other person I'm going to mention, because he is also in um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Is Roy Kinnear plays the second gentleman of charity. So one of the two guys that goes to the door and tries to get money from Scrooge and he kicks him out. He says the surplus population quote that is so famous. Um, Roy Kinnear. He's the dad of Veruca Salt. And I saw his face and I was like, hey, that's Veruca's dad.
3: Huh. You did. Did you do Tiny Tim?
2: I didn't do Tiny Tim.
3: Richard Beaumont. He doesn't have much to his name, but. it's worth mentioning richard beaumont uh played tiny tim
2: tiny tim a curly headed tiny tim not as cute as kermit's tiny tim die on that hill okay all right so (laughs) let's talk about choices in scrooge from 1970 um
3: can i bring up my first choice because it's right at the beginning this choice is made sure I know nowadays it's common for movies to exceed two hours, but back in the day, a two hour movie was not very common. And it took, this movie was two hours, and it took like 35 minutes for his first visit from Marley, which is insane. (laughs) You'd think you would want that within like the first 15 minutes. There's not much to cover within that first 15 minutes. Like the whole first, like, if you want to call it act or the setup here, like it was slow going.
2: Yep. They do a lot of um, building up on why we're not supposed to like Scrooge at all and what a terrible person he is. But they don't even do that good of a job. No, but that was their goal. <laughs> That's what they burned that time for, was to really help you despise Scrooge.
3: Wow. Well, um, and that goes to filmmakers and writers, right? Because. Mm-hmm again we've covered north of 10 of these films before and mm-hmm. i think even our worst ones uh ha- did more economic storytelling in that even if we weren't big fans of them they were established you they were established scrooge for who he was within like five to ten minutes mm-hmm. they knew how to do that at least and i'm confused as to where the disconnect here was. Cause if you just go by the book, like treat the source material as like your Bible for making this yeah. film.
2: Right. They, um, they use the opportunity of that extended 30 some odd minutes before we even get to the first ghost to add in a few songs. There's an overture that it opens up with. There's a song that Scrooge sings called I hate people. And like these songs are pretty long. They're not short, quick little songs. They're very, very long.
0: That song just made me think of
3: Anthony the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is when I was th- when I was watching it today, I was like, oh, I relate to this song. So you weren't <laughs> the only one to- <laughs> like, <I knew> that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh Having said that, as a big fan of musicals, and musicals can be very over the top and hit you over the head. Mm-hmm. To have a song literally called I Hate People as one of your first numbers, that was too much even for my musical loving self.
2: Yeah. Um, it was followed quickly up with Father Christmas, another song called Father Christmas, um, that comes back towards the end when he actually becomes a real Father Christmas instead of a tongue-in-cheek Father Christmas at the beginning.
3: Again, interesting choice. This is the first time I've, I think a Christmas Carol has ever mentioned Father Christmas or mm-hmm. actually showed Scrooge dressed as Father Christmas.
2: It was a choice for sure. So it takes a long time to get to the ghosts. What do we think of Scrooge? Scrooge's aesthetic as it is also. So this is like Anthony said, this is actually a young Albert Finney who you see in the Fezziwig scenes. And when they go into the past, you see Albert Finney as he actually is while he acted in this movie, which is fairly young. Um, He's all makeuped up to be, Scrooge himself for the vast majority of the movie um what did we think of of this Scrooge as a character both in styling and voice and
0: so we have the we're looking at this retrospectively we've seen how many other Scrooge renditions like we said mm-hmm. maybe upwards of 10 hmm There's nothing of note in his character. Nothing sets him apart. Nothing makes him unique. Nothing
3: endears me to him. Uh Aesthetically, okay, this is going to sound... No. Okay, aesthetically, I think Albert Finney was almost too, like, fit or big to play Scrooge. Like, every other version of Scrooge we had is hunched and, like, almost rail thin, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's, like, supposed to be, like, wasting away. It's supposed to be the physical... Uh, it's supposed to be the physical embodiment of what he is on the inside, right? Which is just, mm-hmm. like, nothing. He's nothing. He's a frail man. And uh, I feel like Albert Finney... And when I say big, I don't mean fat. Because he wasn't fat. Like, he's, like, a mm-hmm. bigger dude. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a tall dude. And it was just very jarring to me because that's not why i think of scrooge like mm-hmm. the stuff in the past where he's himself yeah okay scrooge was young he is healthy he was uh had a different outlook on life. but in the present even the even the hair in the present it just it was I don't know. It, it did not work for me. Um, nope. I liked Michael's I loved Michael Caine's Scrooge. Michael Caine, Yep. I mm-hmm. loved I Jim Carrey's Scrooge. Whatever you think of that movie, that's how I picture Scrooge in the book, mm-hmm. too. Like I think they did a very good job of like what Scrooge looked like in terms of drawing him. Mm-hmm. Um, even um what's the other big one we covered? Oh, the one everyone loves. Alistair Sims.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Right? Whatever you think of that movie. That's He's pretty much one of the Scrooges people think of when they think of Scrooge. Mm -hmm. This, he just wasn't Scrooge to me. He didn't look like him or act very much like him.
2: Yeah. So the hair was very distracting to me because it was definitely not his real hair or lack thereof balding head. Um, But I think what was most irritating to me was the voice. He sounded like stitch from Lilo and stitch and I had a real hard time focusing on much of what he's talked about, um, because the voice was so grating, um, which I think like Albert Finney can sing, right?
1: Yeah. And
2: his like good old fashioned voice is like real nice. So I'm very confused by choosing to warp the voice that much, um, and I think it was probably unnecessary because you can sound gruff and Scroogey without having a complete alteration of your voice. So that was very what, distracting. Without me. becoming
0: a caricature,
2: he was a caricature. That's the best way I say it. He was, and not it was not. I didn't care for it. Not a all. good
3: caricature because no. let let's be re- let's be real. There have been so many adaptations. A, a lot of actors probably. Mm-hmm lean toward caricatures because scrooge himself is so famous right you're trying yeah. to imitate right all the other actors who have come before you right but
2: which is he a smaller yeah. number for him because this came out right. in 1970 so yeah like.
3: right so he had a lot he could do his own thing here so i don't know like why he fell into that camp that was very interesting that was very odd to me
2: yeah okay um I don't know that we need to do characterization. I thought Bob Cratchit was fine. I thought the Cratchit family in general was fine. Tiny Tim was.
3: And the Fezziwigs were fine. And the
2: fezzy and can wigs, I, just, yeah. I thought the
3: Fezziwigs were delightful. Honestly. Yeah. Their whole dancing scene, that looked yeah like an illustration from the book. I loved that. That's probably my favorite scene in the movie.
2: And that was an appropriate use of a musical number in a musical of Christmas Carol. Like, yeah, you would have dancing and, like, the festivities and absolutely. Tiny Tim wasn't quite sick enough to me, which sounds bad, but, like, he didn't seem sick at all. He just had a crutch.
3: Have either of you seen the, like, um, the musical of A Christmas Carol? I know we've covered different musicals, but the musical, Mm -hmm. the traveling Broadway one, or Mm -hmm. listen to that soundtrack – the Fezziwigs number its called Mr. Fezziwigs annual Christmas ball is always like a showstopper because that is the moment of joy in the story, right? That is the one that it's like supposed to be the be our guest under the sea type moment, like the big one you're singing along with. So Mm -hmm. I thought this movie did a good job of uh, embodying that.
2: Yeah, that was fun. That, yeah, that was fun. So let's go through ghosts. Now let's start with Marley. Um, Marley's Ghosts, the first ghost we see. Uh, This is Alex Guinness. Uh, What did we think of this rendition of Marley?
0: They made a choice that I really didn't like. The chains were floating. Nothing seemed heavy about them. There was no weight to be carried, no burden. Mm -hmm. Um, They looked really fake as well. Which I was surprised about because the first ghost we see is that carriage that rides through his yeah chamber and goes out the door. Which I, I thought, thought was that was like a cool moment, cool. honestly. yeah yeah,
2: yeah. It was that unexpected. Was cool. I was like,
0: huh? Yeah. Uh, and I think this is maybe the first one we the first movie we covered where we see a chamber pot <laughs> <laughs> which is indicative of what you needed to get through this film. so i saw that as a as a as a some some writing in the tea leaves but as as we see see marley he takes scrooge flying for some reason first i mean it's for a song that is again Mm -hmm. way too long but we're flying and there are all these these dead ghosts that are at various stages of decomposition which is weird, because none of the ghosts that we encounter show show any... They, they all look like their living selves would have looked. So I didn't understand the mythology around ghosts in this.
3: Alec Guinness made a choice, too, for me that I was confused by. Did he sign this movie for a paycheck? Because he looked like he was sleepwalking through this whole thing. He looked like he did not want to be there. There was like no emotion or anything and like we all know alkin is a great actor you just listed off his credits Mm -hmm. but like he it was almost like he was just giving the script the day of or reading off cue cards or something he just did not seem like he wanted to be there and look again i am a huge fan of musicals i really am like that will be a notch up for me usually, and I know Julia, you said you have to be in the right mood for musicals, and if yeah. it it's the wrong way, it could go the opposite way for you. But for me, it's almost like always a notch up. Mm-hmm. Compare this to the other two musical versions we've done. We had the spectacular where Marley and Marley, mm-hmm. and even the Fraser version where Jason Alexander was Marley, and he's singing "Link by Link, yeah. the chain was getting longer." Like
0: this was song was boring. That was a good one. It was, yeah,
2: it was one boring. Was boring. It was boring. Yeah, and when and you're flying had...
0: through a bunch of specters, you would th- you would expect more excitement,
3: <laughs> right? Well, well, again, compare it to both Muppets Christmas Carol and that Fraser version where Mm -hmm. he brought, they brought all the specters in to haunt Scrooge as they were singing and it was just done so much more effectively.
2: Yeah. So remind me, was it, so this version is very heavy on the supernatural images. Like it's, it's pretty scary. Um All things considered, if you lay it out against all the other versions of A Christmas Carol, I feel like it lays pretty heavy on the scariness, the ghost story-ness of A Christmas Carol. Um, I could not have continued to watch this with Jude. He was interested a little bit at the beginning and lost interest. But, like, this thing's dang scary in some parts. And apparently they cut out a lot of the scary elements. Namely, the hell at the end is cut out when it's played on... um, TV stations, um, and I think it's TMC that airs it in its entirety with the scary bits, but in lots of places they cut all that out. This this movie is rated G, which is kind of inexplicable to me. But um, remind me, in the old days, remember, even
3: we've talked about with the 80s, yeah, PG in the 80s would be like 13 or R nowadays. Yeah,
2: that's (laughs) the truth. Um, Since you're the biggest fan of the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol, was it the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol where you see? the ghosts in the greenish light um
3: yeah and their and jaws I, are literally I, falling off yeah and i actually
2: yep. liked that part of the jim carrey christmas carol because it felt I, didn't, I hadn't really seen that depiction in any other version up until that point um those ghosts were successful to me because there was a point right that's when marley's telling you know scrooge like here's what's set before you and these are all the souls that you could have helped and you didn't all of this stuff um that point was missing in this one it was for pure scare factor and i just couldn't appreciate it which is unfortunate because that's supposed to be our change of heart right marley starts the change of heart
3: and because it was pure scare factor that almost made it because you're 100 correct this was pretty scary but it almost made it less scary to me because there wasn't a point to the scares. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're watching a good horror movie, the ones with the smart scares mm-hmm. scare you more, rather than the ones that are just trying every two minutes like a jump scare trying to get you, for right? Sure. And that's what this felt like compared to the Jim Carrey version, which was actually really scary, yeah. like especially for a Disney cartoon. Yes. Or let, let's look at FX's Guy Pierce one. Like mm-hmm. the ghost stuff was really scary. And that's another one I really like because it did something different mm-hmm. while still staying true to the book. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, like this one just, uh, yeah, I it wasn't effective to me despite being scary.
2: Yeah. Okay. So we all kind of agree that Marley was a bit of a fail, which is tragedy. Rest in all peace, right. Alec Guinness. What?
3: I was just saying, may Alec Guinness rest
2: in peace. That's right. Okay, so our next ghost was also a choice. Um, So Ghost of Christmas Past, (laughs) played by Edith Evans, was the first time I've ever seen the Ghost of Christmas Past in a red ball gown with a muffler and a lovely, lovely hat. Seven-year-old woman. And so old. And so old. So opposite of the youth that is typically presented in this particular ghost. If it's not a candlehead, which is kind of the definition of here today, gone tomorrow, right? It's the floating Muppet that's terrifying, but clearly a child trapped in water. Um, So an interesting choice. Why old? I'm so confused.
3: I'm confused about that too. Why is she in color? Like not
0: just color, but she is like bright color. Right. Again, and and we're going to see the color come in
3: later as well. I could see why the bright color, from a filmmaking perspective, Scrooge's days are brighter and more optimistic. But to your point, Tom, yeah, the only bright ghost, the only one who's not supposed to be really scary is the second one, like Ghost of Christmas yeah. Present.
2: Red is a curious choice, though. Like, I get the bright it, thing, but yeah, red is curious. Making yellow, like the yellow. candle she
3: is mm-hmm. in the book, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And the other problem with it is we had just seen all the ghosts and they are also drab.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But she's also not well, supposed to be a tortured soul either.
3: I was about to say yeah. they're more like uh, I'm not going to use the word angels but that's really what they are. They're more like the they're sent to missions to people to yeah. help change them. They're not the I never took them to actually be like the souls of dead people.
2: Yeah. So she's also, what's interesting is all of these ghosts, except for future yet to come because they didn't say anything. um, They're a little spicy. (laughs) Like they've each got some attitude towards Scrooge that you don't see as much in other versions, particularly Ghost of Christmas Present we'll get to next. He's like real salty. Um, But she's got some real bite to her, which I thought was kind of funny. Like, I didn't hate that part of it. Um, She's judgy and all of that. But she takes him Mm -hmm. to all the places that every other one takes. She takes to the Fezziwig, and she examines his life as a kid, and we get to see Franny, Fran, his sister.
3: Fran, his sister, yeah. Um,
2: The storyline's not as built out in that one as we see in some of the other ones, namely the loosely adapted um guy pierce one where we get like a big old franny backstory which i appreciated but um we see franny just a tiny little bit um tons of time at the Fezziwigs. wigs they build out the whole bell love story that goes terribly wrong because he likes money more than bell um and then she's just kind of gone
3: and then she's gone um yeah i didn't care for her yeah. I, I will say in terms of the saltiness, though, Julia, I kind of actually really did like that she was salty and Christmas present were salty. Because when you think about it, I think how long it takes for Scrooge to change, right? It's gradual <laughs> change over the night. They're getting frustrated with him. They are right. supposed to, like, get on his nerves a bit, I think. So that aspect kind of worked for me. But I just didn't right. like her depiction.
2: Yeah. Well, and there are definite moments in this that are built for humor right there's Mm -hmm. supposed to be like parts of this movie were supposed to just probably really make us laugh and all of that so i'm sure that had something to do with it as well um tom any input on past
3: i was glad when she was gone (laughs) now i know in the book past is supposed to be like an androgynous character which is why in jim carrey it was actually like Probably the most faithful past we saw is a candlestick. It was like a candlehead. You didn't know if it was a man or a woman, Mm -hmm. even though Jim Carrey did the voice and mocap, but like it had that voice. You couldn't tell, right? If you didn't know it was Jim Carrey. Um, Do you automatically like, is your expectation when you sit down to watch a Christmas carol, you're going to get a woman for past regardless?
2: Yeah. A woman or a child.
3: Yeah. I like the. I mean, I know it's not
0: faithful, but I like the child. Disney
3: did the best. Yeah. I am going to respectfully disagree because that thing gives me nightmares <laughs> that thing was what scarier than few yet to come for me <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah no but I, I, I agree like uh, except for Scrooged that was a guy that's right and, I like to- and Will Ferrell is playing past in the Ryan Reynolds version coming out this December So,
2: it's got that innocent air to it that childlike quality Yep. Yeah. Oh, actually, not.
3: and we covered Andy Serkis as past in that Guy Pierce version. So we've had a few guys.
2: He was not innocent. Child. He
3: was. He was scary. Yeah. <laughs> was no, scary. I didn't like. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I didn't hate that. That one was such a left turn that veering from the script was fine. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, yeah. And I okay. still think
3: they had, and you agreed with this, Julia. The end. Where Scrooge is like, I don't care if I live or die as long Mm -hmm. as he lives. Like that was like one of the best changes I've seen made to this story.
2: Yeah, I loved that. Um, okay. Next ghost. Anthony, do you want to tell us some about the ghost of Christmas Present?
3: He's my favorite ghost in this film. Mm -hmm. Um he looks exactly like the drawing of Christmas Present, I think. Aesthetically he looked great. He was tall. He had the green robes. He had the crown. Bare chest. Very I was about to say Harry. he was very hairy. Uh, I was about to say I don't know if that was makeup. I was also in the 70s, so that was probably all of, like <laughs> <laughs> this guy. <laughs> this guy? Yeah. Um I I liked him. I uh <laughs> I, I didn't have pro- he was probably Along with the Fezzi ways, my favorite character in this film. Um, he was definitely salty.
2: <laughs> so question was he jolly? Yes.
3: I mean, he didn't no. like he wasn't like laughing all the time like no. we see he wasn't like the joker like we usually see these guys are.
2: <laughs> I don't really think he was jolly at all. You don't think so? No I, I mean he was like not, he was not a drunk. Jolly. I don't think he was jolly. You know, he might have been like happy, right, or what? But jolly didn't fit this one for me.
3: He wasn't Santa, like he they're normally portrayed like with a Santa-like personality. Yeah,
2: no, there was zero Santa elements in this one, which kind of threw me off. I didn't hate this one at all. Um, I thought it was kind of – I liked that he, he was a total smart aleck. And I don't know if it's in the text or not because it's been long enough. But when Scrooge walks in, instead of the know-me-better man, he says – he calls him a weird little man. <laughs> and I was like, that is excellent because <laughs> that is exactly what Albert Finney is in this movie, is a weird little man.
3: I Did it, Did anyone else think his robes looked like really comfortable?
2: Yeah. <laughs> And The Feast, I mean, I did really like that. Um, the sets in general were really pretty, I thought. I mean, it felt like you were watching a stage production Um I liked the sets. The sets were great. I loved when you walk in and you see Christmas present with all the piles of food and the candles and the tinsel. It had a 70s flair to it for sure, Um, but it was comfortable. That
3: that image was like right from the book too, right? Like when you go to that chapter, that's the image of him on the pile of Mm -hmm. all that stuff. So I really liked that a lot. Um, One thing I noticed with Christmas present is what a... And it was a curious choice to me because Christmas present is really when we get a lot of the Cratchits, right? Like this is where he's like, hey, Tiny Tim's dying. And that's the first Scrooge learns of it.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: I almost felt like throughout this whole film, the Cratchits were almost like an afterthought. Yep. I don't know if anyone else felt that way. No, it (laughs) felt
2: very much like we spend so much time singing about other junk That could have been used to fill in the Cratchit story. Because that's supposed to be such a big deal to Scrooge at the very end. And it didn't feel as big.
3: Yeah. Yeah. They were almost like shoehorned in. Like I almost felt like, I mean, this movie is overlong in general. But if you took out the Cratchits, like I did not feel like Scrooge needed the Cratchits in this movie to change. Like it does in every other version.
2: No, I don't think so either.
3: And that's a failure on the part because the Cratchits are essential to the story.
2: That's right. Like, I don't even remember Tiny Tim saying, God bless us, everyone. He might have.
3: He was not not the best Tiny Tiny Tim. Tim. No! No!
2: To pay attention?
3: And that's a problem. Because, like, I want to care enough that when I see Bob Cratchit crying over the grave you feel emotional. And I know that Kermit and Mickey set the bar because they're these adorable, cute animals everyone has all these love for, right? I get it. Mm -hmm. But in the best human versions as well, you're supposed to feel that emotion. And this movie, I didn't feel any emotion for Bob or Tim.
2: I mean, I felt that emotion in um, the Jim Carrey one when Sirius Black is crying about it. So,
3: yeah, I mean... And I definitely felt that emotion in the Guy Pierce one when it real you can see Guy Pierce really affected when he mm-hmm. dies, Scrooge really affected. Yeah. So. Even Albert Finney, by the way, who I know we all have varying opinions on him, but that version did the Cratchits well
2: too. Wait, you said Albert Finney. You mean Alistair Sim?
3: Yeah. Alistair Sin. Yep. Alistair Sim, yep. Apologies. Uh, I and I find it baffling because I feel like it's hard to mess up the Cratchits. just just like just like it's hard to mess up scrooge at this point he's so embedded in pop culture the thing with scrooge is you don't want to be a caricature but it's all there for you Mm -hmm. for anyone who's looking to adapt a christmas carol your heart is right there just bring the cratchits to screen as is (laughs) they don't need a lot of tweaking
2: right yeah that was yeah that's an excellent point i don't really feel much for the family sadly what did you I didn't think really of so much for anybody? Yeah. Did you like present, Tom?
0: I did. I mean well, he started I mean... out getting getting he started out in the first bit with those beautiful big wine glasses. And at that point that yeah. was kind
1: of uh Yeah.
3: What is this Tom delicious is always drink? gonna human be bu- kindness? <laughs> Tom's gonna be biased to our present because he's our very Christmas present here. No, I'm joking. But you are a Christmas <laughs> present, Tom. <laughs> um I will say, though, before we move on from present, uh, the stuff with his... (laughs) uh, It still makes me uncomfortable no matter how bad the adaptation is when he hears people making fun of him at the party. Yeah. That scene is just... Will never not be uncomfortable to me. Yep. And listeners, let, let me tell you something about Anthony's personal life. In terms of parties... I will always be one of the first people to arrive because I don't like arriving after the fact and giving people the chance to talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? Is um, that the
2: motivation? That
3: dude, I am like and then when I leave, I always have to walk out with someone. I'll never be alone. That way I have somebody in conversation. I'm not like that like the person walking out alone where I feel like eyes are on you like. Yeah. I, and I trying to think back to where this started with me. I it's probably something subconscious from a Christmas Carol when I was young, seeing people make fun of Scrooge. I don't
2: know. Oh, but, I mean, it is. It's always an uncomfortable scene. You're right.
3: Always, and the second thing is they didn't do the he grows into a skeleton with the uh, the two feral children, and mm-hmm. I always forget what the feral children are. What are they again?
2: Uh, um, want and. Temperance,
3: uh, what? is it? Temperance and Juan. Yes, you're right. Yeah.
2: Which I never cared yeah. for that part anyway. So I was fine with that. I, that, that, I never liked it's that not part.
3: My, it's not my favorite part, but I. It's become such a thing. I'm expecting to see it.
2: Yeah. But. Um, that is a good call out. That's not in this version. That's right. Um, okay. So then we get. Ghost of Christmas yet to come. Um standard look, right? Black shrouded figure. Nothing special or fancy there. Um we was get it black? Yeah, it was black. It was like a dingy there was black, dusty gray. Yeah. black, dusty grayish yeah, black.
3: Dusty gray. Like there you go. I mean he
2: looked dirty, yeah. Yeah. But but it was still black shrouded. You can't see the face, can't see the hands. Um, stands around, doesn't say anything. Um, it's here though, that we get the song that was familiar to me and it's inexplicable. I don't know why, but the song, thank you very much was like, I could sing along to it. Well, at least the chorus. So I don't know if that's been in other pop culture stuff and I'm picking it up from somewhere else or if it just happens to be a catchy tune. And I just think I knew it when I really, I don't, but that song was familiar. And so this is, this is the part where, the Scrooge isn't very smart, okay, for one, because he's in this mass of people, and they're saying, thank you very much. And what they're doing is they're celebrating Scrooge dead, and now they're are And
3: Scrooge is dancing
2: along with them, like, like
3: flipping his skirt. The, the His dance moves were a little weird to they me. They were real
2: way. weird. It's like Gollum dancing. <laughs> Um, he, uh, he's thinking that they're thanking him for this life he, He, and he's like interacting with them without actually interacting with them. So again, I think it's supposed to be sort of funny. He's completely misconstruing the song entirely. Like they're actually thanking him when really they're thanking the fact that he's dead because they're free of this thing, the Scrooge. They're done. And they're literally dancing on his coffin and he never gets it because we no! get the same we get the same scene we get in every single one where he shows up at the the graveyard and there is the grave what happens to me ghost um and he sees his name on the headstone in this case it was on the top of the plot itself um interesting choice to just make him a total Did, idiot and i was about to say that's
3: He's supposed to be intelligent, right? He's he intelligent is. in every other well, version. Yeah, in
2: all the other versions, he already knows going into Christ- Ghost of Christmas Present. He's got to make changes, right? Like, and he wants to make the changes, and he's dedicated to making the changes. And a lot of times, he's like, "Let's just get through this part," because, like, I wanna I want to start again, right? I've been changed, but in this one, it's like for that whole first song, no. No change has <laughs> happened. He's a total idiot. And it's not until he gets to the graveyard and we get this, <sighs> we get what happens after he falls into the graveyard in this version, which I've never seen before in any version of A Christmas Carol.
3: Where he becomes Lucifer's personal clerk down in a hell?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So he falls into Don't the grave, you, that's,
0: which we've seen. That's from the Zack
3: Snyder cut of A <laughs> <James laughs> <the> Christmas Carol. <laughs> That explains why there are four demons down there, too. Shirtless,
2: shirtless demons that bring. Okay, so here's what happens. So he falls into um, he falls into his grave plot and he falls down and down and down. And it has a very Doctor Who feel to it, 70s Doctor Who feel that I could quasi appreciate. Um, He hits rock bottom and he's in this red room with all of these. Faces and this cavern and these stalagmites everywhere and he touches it and it's hot so like it's obviously hell and who shows up but marley and he's like super jazzed to see marley because he's not alone and marley's like i actually wanted to be the one to welcome to you to welcome you here and nobody else <laughs> wanted to so he's like digging the knife in because marley is also pretty salty like he's pretty sassy it's all- it's almost like Marley
3: blames Scrooge for his own fate. <laughs>
2: he totally does. So he's leading him through the caverns of hell and he's like, Lucifer picked you himself to be his, his own private. We, well, he calls it, he doesn't call him an accountant, but essentially. Right.
3: It's uh, his clerk.
2: His, his personal clerk. clerk. He said that his clerk. And so he takes him into a re imagining a, a staging of Scrooge's office as it was, except it's cold um, forever and ever and ever. It's so.
3: <laughs> and then I the three Chippendales clerk.
2: demons come in and <laughs> the pile. The
3: three oiled up demons. Yeah, in there and pile the... chains
2: <laughs> on top of Scrooge. Are these... Are these
0: uh... Cutie make cute faces for you?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> um interesting. I can only assume
3: as his personal as his personal clerk he'd be counting souls of the damned and not money. I Probably.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
3: Unless they are currency. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, <laughs> uh it was an interesting choice. The whole thing was very like trippy and eerie. It was very seventies. Um,
2: I kept thinking, if rankin Bass had free reign to do a live action anything, <laughs> it would be this.
3: <laughs> Julia wins the night. Mm. She she always wins the night, Tom. Huh? Let's be real. It was real. trippy. Um, I will say, you know, if if your Scrooge had have this dream, it would probably scare you straight it would scare me straight right um however i think it's much more effective like most movies do and the book does where the grave opens up and he just sees the fires of hell and as he's falling in that's when he wakes up he kind of like falls into bed and
2: wakes
1: yeah up. He doesn't wakes up see what entangled
2: yeah and a few entangled. of them have done the entangled in the bed sheets right which is what finny does in this case as well uh, it
3: looked like Finny tried to hang himself. Was, it was like wrapped <laughs> around his neck.
2: Um, some aggressive
3: pet sheets. <laughs> I'll say, "Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come," though, mm-hmm. uh, was rendered ineffective to me by the hell stuff because that's yeah. what really scared Scrooge. It wasn't the ghost itself,
2: right? And uh, you do get a skeleton ghost- face as he's falling into the grave. But it looks a lot like the floating ones that were in the beginning of the movie.
3: I thought Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come looked cheap. Oh
2: yeah. Oof. Seventies
3: cheap. But not good endearing seventies <laughs> cheap, where no, you could appreciate like you said, like yeah, like you could appreciate Doctor Who in the seventies. This is right. not the good cheap. I did I was during this whole scene waiting to hear Tom's interpretation because he always gives us all the lessons on angel metaphysics. Tom, tell us about this version the
2: Angelology. Luc-
3: <laughs> Give us this version of how do they do what adapting adapting uh, Lucifer here? Again. Um
2: Hashtag not I your Lucifer. Like,
0: I don't I don't I'm not down, y'all.
2: <laughs> so it's such
0: a choice. They committed to it. Like, Nothing about, nothing about, like, I don't know. I'm not a big believer in eternal torment and hell. So there's that. But uh, even if there is, I think you're going to have, I think there would be things better than uh, counting. And I would hope it would look at least somewhat scarier than what this does, where it just looks like a, a wax house melted. Some sort of horror <laughs> house is melting, and the things are falling. It's just awful. Everything about it's terrible.
3: Well, I did, I did like in Supernatural where Crowley took over as king of hell, and Hannah will get all this, Julia. But
2: she'll get every bit.
3: will turn it. He, he turned hell essentially into. An endless DMV line. And after uh, centuries, when you really reach, when you finally reach the front and go through the door, you just appear at the back again. Oh, like, yes, that is nice, effective torture. <laughs> <laughs> so are you saying DMV workers are from hell? You know, if there are any DMV workers listening,
2: <laughs> Thank you I for don't want to, sit. <laughs> <laughs>
3: One thing here, Julia, you mentioned that Marley seems to be, like, twisting the knife in, right, Mm -hmm. when he greets Scrooge. Mm -hmm. That was another interesting thing about how how Alex Guinness played Marley to me. It didn't seem like, because Marley is sent to help Scrooge. It did not seem like this version of Marley wanted to help Scrooge. No, it didn't.
0: Mm -mm. He didn't. He wasn't interested at all in helping Scrooge. Mm -mm. Nothing was positive, no.
2: No, not at all. Um, okay. So let's talk about the last element of the things we got to hit when we talk about A Christmas Carol and why we love it or hate it. The change scene, right? Um, the exuberant Scrooge is no longer what he was. He wakes up Christmas morning. He still has time and he's excited. How did Finney do on this transformation?
3: He pales compared to other Scrooges. It's
0: just not... He's not excited. There's not enough... There's nothing there. There's, like, no depth to anything in this.
3: Mm-hmm. Let, let's let compare him, right? Because Michael came, came didn't come to later, right? So, right. really, he's coming after Albert Finney, who was probably the biggest Scrooge prior to him. And... Albert Finney is really like when you look at compilations and everything, he has that most iconic, he does the handstand on the head. Alistair he's, Sims. he's the one people think. Oh yes. <laughs> Alistair Sims. Um, he, he's, oh, the yeah, one people- he's the one most people think of, like, even if they don't like that movie, that scene is so memorable because of how he plays it. It's mm-hmm. like, he's like a kid on Christmas. Yeah. Because a little he unhinged. His back. that's, Uh little Unhing scares a housekeeper as you're supposed to do um he he set the gold standard and that that came out 20 years prior to this that came out in
1: 1950
3: 1951 Mm -hmm. so albert finney was 10 ish when that came out he had 20 years to (laughs) work on it watch that uh on christmas on tv the classic movie channel whatever Uh, study it you know alistair sims was a big actor so i'm sure this guy albert finney was a serious actor i'm sure he studied him Mm
1: -hmm.
3: i don't know how he didn't look to that for inspiration (laughs) honestly but because like michael Caine was great yeah like i feel like everyone took what alistair sims did and does their own version of that but that set the gold standard but this just didn't work for me. It wasn't. If I had a dream where I was sent to be the devil's personal assistant for eternity with four Chippendale demons standing around me <laughs> as I'm chained up, I would not act. <laughs> I wouldn't act like this when I woke up. <laughs> I, would be, I would be much more like Alistair Sims. Like, thank you. I have another chance. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go apologize to Tom <laughs> for always calling him the worst. <laughs>
0: Please, please don't, don't let that be your, your, uh, your turning moment. <laughs> you have so much other stuff to repent for oh, stop. I mean,
3: like the M and M's. I know. <laughs> yeah. Showing that to Julius children. Pervert.
2: That was a real low moment. I'll tell you what. Um, <laughs> okay. So this also feels like it lasts a million hours. Um, To get to the actual very end of the movie from when he wakes up. Um, It's like another half an hour. It's a massive rolling song. I Like Life, Father Christmas, thank you very much. They do a reprise of it where he really is, you know, Father Christmas and even dresses up like Santa. But people are doing it unironically now. Um, And the thank you very much is people actually thanking him for being alive and forgiving their debts instead of thanking him for being dead and forgiving debts because he's dead. Um, So it turns it on its head. But it like lasts a million years, like a million years. and
3: Which... I have a problem with how the people reacted. Okay? Yeah. Because in every other version as well, besides Scrooge's transformation, you get to see how other people react to it. And everyone thinks the guy went completely loco. Yeah. Like, they're not sure what to think. They don't forgive him right away or Mm -hmm. do anything like that. I mean, the only ones who really kind of do, besides the Cratchits, because he goes to their house generally or sends a feast to their house, are the charity people who runs into the into on the stream gives money to right but like the rest of london it's implied you know, because the book doesn't show it the movies don't normally show it it would take a while to forgive and that's what scrooge has to do he has to repent mm-hmm. now he's changing his life around mm-hmm. to make this new image for himself and i get it it's a musical everything has to be wrapped up in a tiny bow at the end but the fact that they forgive him two minutes after he wakes up when the night before he's being a, a jerk to everyone like didn't buy it i didn't like that
2: yeah it felt rushed for sure and you're right probably about it's musical and so everything's resolved quickly but that just felt wrong especially for a christmas carol right yep like the stakes are so high you can't rush it um, because the point wasn't that he changed
3: the point was he changed overnight but the point was he has he learned that he has to change mm-hmm It was going to be a. He was learned. He was a work in progress. He had to be a work in progress. He had to live his life better. Mm -hmm. He doesn't automatically wake up like the best man on the planet. Mm -hmm. You know.
2: Yeah.
3: I don't know. I feel passionate about it. I'm sorry.
2: No, You should. You should feel passionate about it. Um, That's
0: why why we have this podcast, Anthony. If we weren't passionate, we wouldn't do this every week. That's true.
2: Um, He ends up putting a Santa costume on. Uh, First time we've seen that happen in a Christmas Carol rendition.
3: Yeah, I didn't understand that either.
0: Uh, Like full beard
2: and everything.
3: It looked worse than, you know, the crappy street corner and mall Santas.
2: Yeah, it did. And so he ends up, you know, he gets the gigantic goose. He still yells at the kid and says, go buy the goose and bring it here. Um, the goose in the window, the, the one that's bigger than me. Yeah, that one. Oh, you're such a jolly boy. Um, he ends up going by the toy store and buying a whole bunch of toys as well um, and goes to the Cratchit's house dressed up like Santa. So in other versions, we've had my personal favorite Would be versions where um, we get the Michael Caine treatment where he shows up at Bob Cratchit's and he's like super ticked. Why aren't you at work? Right? And kind of scares Mm the Jesus out of him. And then, ha, 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 just kidding. Um, You're amazing. Here's money and you're getting a raise. Um,
3: Well, that's a faithful version because in the book – That's what he does in the book. Yeah. In in the book, he doesn't show up at the house. He's like – he sends the meal anonymously. Yeah. And then the next day at work, he pretends like he forgot – he he didn't that's remember right. he gave him the day off and he flips out at him. That's right. Which I love. That's a that's like, a natural kidding. good bit of comedy.
2: It is. Um this version, he shows up as Santa Claus. Um gives a bunch of gifts away to all the cratchit kids, gives the big old goose, and the whole time he's like, "You don't know who I am, do you?" And they're like, "Oh, well, you're Father Christmas, aren't you?" And He pulls the beard off and, oh, my gosh, it's Scrooge and my life has changed forever. (laughs) And he's like, we're going to find the best doctors for this kid and everything's going to be great now. I'm going to go to my nephew's house. So I didn't care for that. It just felt so schmaltzy.
3: It did. And I get it's a musical. But, again, we've covered – of musical, ver- two musical versions. We covered yeah, the Muppets. It did it better. We, cu- we covered the Fraser version, which mm-hmm. did it better. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, is the adaptation of the Broadway version I remembered. So we did okay. cover that big, fancy okay, big so song we did get I like. Okay. Yep. Um, I, don't, I just, yeah. And don't get me wrong, the ending of the Muppets, the ending of every version of A Christmas Carol can be schmaltzy. But this sure. one was way too over the top. Yeah. yeah I did not like it and i'll tell you another thing i didn't like the focus on the toys yeah because that that's not he learns it's not about material items Mm -hmm. whether it's money or anything and i get he gives away his money to help people but that doesn't include instilling the wrong lessons in other people by giving them all the toys they want it's more like here's money to better your lives for your rent for the heat for clothing for well,
2: yeah and i also didn't appreciate the he gave a gift to all the other cratchit kids that leaves tiny tim out like for a few right. seconds and tiny tim's face is like dashed he's like super upset that he didn't get a toy which that's not my tiny tim
0: but he's not gonna die no just say hey i saw a vision right. of you dead you're fine <laughs>
2: But I didn't like that. And then he busts out with a big Oh, just kidding. I got you the biggest toy ever. Also, you're going to live, hopefully. I didn't... I don't know. But maybe some of this is because we don't believe this, Scrooge. We don't have any stake in the game with the Cratchit family because the people... They didn't build the story up enough, so we don't really care about them enough to care, you know, if Tiny Tim lives or dies. And we've just been inundated with a six-minute song that... (laughs) we also don't like <laughs> and so like oh. and then it ended and, and not only and there was great rejoicing in the land but
3: the other thing i didn't like about this ending he ends it by thanking marley and marley's not actually there but he thanks marley what did marley do to you he didn't want to help you change no, he didn't
2: Nope. he's like the last
3: person i'm thanking he was getting glee of the fact i was sitting in hell with him i don't know like
2: just no authenticity i would say in this one
3: No, it was a movie of missed opportunities because, again, you have two titans of the English film industry playing two of the most iconic characters in literature and film history. I think they've been adapted only less than Dracula at this point, I read. Mm. That's how many adaptations there have been of them. Um, And it was just a waste. It was a complete waste of their talent. Yeah. I think we could all agree they really would have made a good Scrooge and Marley with a good faithful script. Sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah, this could have been a lot better. Um, any quotes or scenes that you particularly liked? Nope.
3: I mentioned the scenes I liked. It was everything in the present. Yeah. And the Fezziwigs in the past.
2: Yeah. Uh, then I think it's that time again. Time well, does this have
3: a Linus moment?
2: I mean, yeah, it's got a Scrooge moment. It's fine.
3: It's got the Scrooge It's weak. Moment. It's super weak. I mean,
2: it, but but it's there. I mean. It would be pitiful if it didn't. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I'm well, waiting well, for well, the well, day. Can we well, agree well, that well, today well, will end well. the podcast when a Christmas Carol or a Grinch film doesn't have the moment at the end? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, if you're really
0: looking for a reason to end the podcast, I guess.
3: I'm giving this, I mean, it's better for me than All-American Christmas Carol, obviously. Gun to head, I would choose this one. Oh my God, is Julie going to go the opposite way there? Like, <laughs> <laughs> You
0: broke like up it. for me. What did you give it?
3: I didn't give it yet. I was just okay. saying it's better than All-American Christmas Carol. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'll give it a 2.75. I don't know if I agree with that. I really don't know if I agree with you, Anthony. I mean, it's fair. I get why you I get why somebody would not because all American Christmas Carol at least tried to do something different. This tried to do the book and failed it.
2: I'm going to give it a 0.85. I'm
3: going to go with a 0.5. Give it a half. Wow. Point eight five point five that gives us a one point three six. One oh four on our list. Under Deck the Halls. And uh-huh. above, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Under Deck the Halls. Oof, that's how you know you're bad. Any version of a Christmas Carol that comes in that low. Shameful.
2: That is shameful.
3: Um I do want to say I just read a good book lately. Speaking you- of a Christmas Carol. Um it's by samantha silva it was called mr dickens and his carol oh. and it's basically a fictional account of how charles dickens was inspired to write his most famous book um so <clears throat> while wasn't the that a movie Christ- we did <clears throat> i was gonna say while the man who invented christmas was dramatic take this was a more comedic take but it was really good and it was really like heartwarming so really recommend cool it.
2: okay and check that out um if anybody listening is just very much opposed to how we have reviewed this, quote, classic version of A Christmas Carol, um, we would love to hear about it. <laughs> tell us why you like it or tell us why we're right. Um, and where can people do that, Anthony?
3: All our social media pages, which you can get to by visiting, what is it, Tom? Linktree.com Linktree. slash Tissa Podcast. hmm you can also access our Patreon there, which we will be getting more content up. Like last year, January's been slow. It'll kick up now that, uh, you know, I've had my little Check play. your mailboxes.
2: <clears throat>
3: Check your mailboxes because stuff just went out.
2: I'm interested to see what people say about this one.
3: Yeah, me too. Because I think there, there does seem to be a lot of love for this one. I don't know how much in our group, but just in general, like mm-hmm. critics liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom, didn't you have a question of the week for us? This is from
0: Ron Hogan, AKA president hot dog. He said, so as a possible question of the week, I associate the movie elf with tis the podcast. If you could pick a movie for people to associate with the podcast, what would it be besides elf and Christmas vacation? Disco 54 immediately chimed in with Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs>
0: and a lot of people agreed which was somewhat i don't know if it was disappointing or not right um but then he gave his serious answer and said i'll tell you my serious answer but anthony tom and julia may not like or appreciate it i will say that i know anthony and i did julia this is new to you so you have to tell us what you think and he comes in and says santa slay for me That was the episode that the podcast really clicked in, and they stopped tiptoeing around each other and united behind their collective hate for a poop show of a (laughs) film and really started to gel as a threesome and as a podcast. I have a soft spot for that film, and I think it's one of their best
3: episodes.
2: I'll agree with that. That wouldn't be my answer, but I totally agree with that.
3: And Matt Spaulding said he just associates Hallmark, which I get. I had a joke. Um, what would your answer be then, Julia? I'm curious.
2: Um, I think my answer is Arthur Christmas because that's the first time we disagreed. Okay. And our disa- it. And it's funny when you think about it now because our disagreement then was like so cordial, <laughs> <laughs> which was really just <laughs> Anthony being like, it's not my favorite movie It's not my favorite depiction of the North Pole. And if you now, whenever Arthur Christmas comes up, like you give us your real thoughts about it. Um, (laughs) But I just remember that being the first time we were not in unison, in agreement on the podcast. That's like, what, three or four episodes Mm in?
3: Episode four. Mm -hmm. And who knew that would be uh, the portrait of Jimmy World song, by the way? (laughs) Everything to come. Uh, I have another early episode, actually. It's episode seven, our Krampus episode. I feel that's when we, to Julia's point, it's one we all agreed on. Mm -hmm. I think it was one we all were surprised by how much we liked and agreed on it. And that's when I feel like we really started gelling. That's when we really started finding our format and just started like properly, like letting ourselves geek out over something. That's still one of my fonder episodes of the show.
2: Mm -hmm. That was the first time you introduced a movie. Um Mm -hmm. That I ended up really, really liking. And was surprised by. And then Better Watch Out right, came and Then you lost all, all of your credibility. All I'm going with...
3: <coughs> I also introduced Mrs. Santa Claus. That's and Sarah. True.
0: <laughs> I am going with... I think I'm going to go with Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas. Because I never would have watched that movie if it weren't for you guys. <laughs> mm. I never would watch that movie if it weren't for you two. And I'm not sure that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm just throwing it
3: out there. It's a thing. It's a thing. And uh, I can confidently say I would never have watched that movie if it weren't for you, too. Same. <laughs> that, um, that, but I, that episode that was... is also a milestone because that's when we made our pact, if anything... <laughs> if ever was worse than that movie. That's when we'd call it quits with the show because it's We're not worth there. putting ourselves through that. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. No, that you know that episode was a fun episode. Sometimes, for all our disagreements and like how tedious it is to get through some movies, it's always fun talking about the bad movies. I'll say that. It is, especially when we're in unison with the bad movies, Mm -hmm. and not somebody defending it like me with Better Watch Out or Tom with Home Alone, Home Sweet Home Alone. Or I'm sure Julia's had some, but she's definitely less than me and Tom. I'll be curious to see what people come up with with this answer because I want to be fun, y'all. Should be interesting. Hey,
2: Julia. Hey, what?
0: We got a we got a review.
2: We did get a review, didn't we?
0: You want to read it? It made my day.
2: Um, so, just the other day, we got a delightful review, an Apple podcast um, from a listener, Natmosphere. Um, and it is wonderful. And I'm going to share it because it really it made all of our day. Tom posted it in Discord, and we were all just like, oh my gosh, nicest thing. Um, okay, so well structured deep dives into Christmas details. Whenever I listen to his, the podcast, I find myself laughing like I'm having a conversation with these three hosts while also walking away with movie knowledge I didn't know I wanted. The structure feels like a church or AA group meeting starting off with catching up on the week with hosts and then going into the plot and cast of the film or show that's being covered and discussing themes, hidden meanings, and general thoughts. I like the consistency. I know what to expect, yet I'm always caught off guard by the commentary and varying opinions. I think the banter within the group makes the show, and I feel like I'm a part of it just by listening. Thank you to Julia, Anthony, and Tom for creating a weekly connection point for me. Isn't that, that may be one of the thing? best
3: reviews we've ever gotten.
2: So nice. So thank you so much <laughs> the, for that atmosphere. Natalie. The reason, that,
3: the reason that's,
0: that got to me so much is because there's a podcast that christine's introduced me to and when we're in the car we listen to it because it's family friendly for ellie and she it makes her laugh at times it's called under understood and they have this episode about what happened to the mcflurry which is intriguing and when i was listening to it i told christine i was like the thing i love most about this podcast is i feel like i'm sitting around with these people and we're all hanging out and having fun and i feel like i'm part of the conversation and I, I actually told her, I was like, that's what I, that's what I hope our podcast can be for people. And the same, the next week, somebody said this was how they felt. And so I felt like I wanted to cry. I had Aww. all the good feels because I want this to be a place, especially during the pandemic when so many of us are separated from people in real time, you know, get togethers to know that we can be a part of
3: providing that for people. Yep. Makes me happy. Mm -hmm. me too and that really for me is the measure of success that we we can feel like that for people it's not for me how many downloads we've gotten or anything like that which you've said a million times it's if we can make people feel like that i would consider us a success um plus natalie bickle is awesome she is uh she has a background in journalism she's interviewed celebrities she writes her darling magazine she has you know pretty successful blog um we definitely have to try to get her on the show at some point. She definitely wants to be on the show, a guest nice. on the show. It would be cool to get her on at some point. So we would will be. definitely work on that. And Natalie, you were, you gave us you sent us your address for a sticker. So by the time you're listening to this, the sticker will be in the mail. So thank you for the review. Yay. And for the rest of y'all, if you want a free to podcast sticker, uh, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Facebook, Spotify I don't wherever and the bathroom wall uh, at the convenience store <laughs> <laughs> and uh, because every review helps new listeners find us and helps us spread the cheer Christmas cheer 365 days per year and you'll get a free sticker just make sure to send us your address so if anyone is pending stickers who has left us a review send us your address iTunes does not give us your address so if you have not reached out to us in a private message With your address, there's no way for us to send a sticker, so please reach out. And speaking of stickers, I think uh, since our five years coming up, Tom, maybe it's time to redesign a new sticker this year.
0: Yeah, we'll do a sticker. We got the, the mailers out, so now it's sticker time. Awesome. Sticker
2: time. That's my second favorite time of the year. Sticker time.
3: What's your first? Christmas. Christmas? That's a joke. That's a joke. Yeah. Oh, thank
2: God. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we we might not have loved this movie, but we got some good content coming up for the rest of the month. Um, the rest of this short month that I hope actually feels short because January felt like it was really really long. Um, so next week, if you want to get a jump start. Um, Here's what we've got coming up. Um, Next week, we're going to do Zoe's Extraordinary Christmas. Um,
3: Which is the finale movie to the show, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Yep. I don't
2: know what that is. that's streaming somewhere, but I don't know where.
3: I would assume probably Hulu. I think Hulu did the movie, gave them the movie, but... It's definitely streaming somewhere, so we'll let if it's not Hulu, we'll let you know next week. <laughs> okay,
2: perfect. And then um, a week after that, if you want to get a little bit of a head start, maybe you've got a little mini blizzard coming to your local area, and you get to stream some stuff. Um, we're going to be doing Netflix's single all the way, and then the following week, which I'm very excited about, we will be covering the 1961 Annette Funicello "Babes in Toyland." Which I'm looking
0: forward to that one.
2: I loved that movie so much growing up. So, and I have not seen it in all the years. So, I'm equally terrified and happy about it.
3: I'm very excited because the week after that, we're covering Spider-Man: No Way Home with the Marvel comic book master Jerry D of Totally Right Christmas. And the week after, and the month after that's Women's Month, and we're going to have some strong, female-driven Christmas content and some strong female-driven not female driven some strong female guest hosts for those episodes so
2: it's gonna be fun that'll be a lot of fun oh we
3: have fat man on here i love (laughs) Fat man (laughs) oh gosh Speaking of movies that Tom and Julia are going to hate that I'm going to (laughs) defend.
2: While we've given you the next few weeks runway for the podcast itself, we are only 7,872 hours away from Christmas itself.
3: It's only 328 days, y'all. That's 45 weeks? 46. That was me doing my imitation of Tom. I knew it was 46 weeks.
0: (laughs) I was right last week and the list was wrong. <laughs> okay, so Tom was correct. I said forty-seven, and you guys forty-six. I was right for once. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was right the week before too, because I said forty-eight. We just don't know how to count.
2: <laughs> and on that hard. note, what
1: are we about? <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Savages and sycophants and flatterers and fools. Pharisees and parasites and hypocrites and ghouls. Calculating swindlers, prevaricating frauds. Perpetrating evil as they roam the earth in hordes. Feeding on their fellow men, reaping rich rewards. Contaminating everything they see. Corrupting honest men like me bug bow I hate people. I hate people. People are despicable creatures, loathsome, inexplicable creatures, good for nothing, kickable creatures. I hate people. I abhor them. When I see the indolent classes sitting on their indolent asses, gulping ale from indolent glasses, I hate people. I detest them. I deplore them. Fools who have no money spend it, get in debt, then try to end it. Beg me on their knees, befriend them, knowing I have cash to lend them soft-hearted me, hard-working me, clean living, thrifty and kind as can be. Situations like this are of interest to me. people, I loathe people, I despise and abominate people. Life is full of crutchiness wretches, earning what their sweatiness fetches, empty minds whose petiness stretches further than I can see. Little wonder, I hate people, and I don't care if they hate me.